0: Welcome to another episode of the In the Limelight podcast. I'm Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. You are tuned in to Booksmart's Authors on Show with Christy Franci. Enjoy.
1: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Booksmart's Authors on Show, a creation of Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media. I'm your host, Christina Franci. And today I'm so thrilled to be interviewing Cindy Watson, who is the founder of Women on Purpose and creator of the Art of Feminine Negotiation Programs. Cindy, I'm so excited to have you on the show today and to dive into the topic. But before Whoa, we- Thanks do for it... having me, Christina. Looking oh, forward to it. Yeah. So before we dive into the topic today, can the audience get to know you a little bit more and kind of how you got to where you are today?
0: yeah, you bet I, it's been quite an interesting journey. You know, I grew up in a low rental apartment in what was known as a tough neighborhood. I didn't know it at the time because it's just home, of course. Mm-hmm. So, as often happens, I think, from that background, I was pretty driven. So I went right from high school to university to law school. Um, but I always given my background, really wanted to fight for the underdog. So I practiced social justice law for a long time. And I love that. But I must say I reached a point when I felt a li- little niggling dissatisfaction with where I was at. And as I started giving voice to that, I realized I wasn't alone. So many women, you know, we do what's expected of us in life, right? And Mm -hmm. um, and certainly I was no exception. And as I started giving voice to it, one thing led to another, and I really um, recognized that so many women don't ask for what they want in life. We don't get what we want in life. We uh, are judged, and women end up either shying away from negotiation or bringing what, like I was guilty of, that overcompensating energy. And I'm like, you know what? Something is wrong. These are all myths because. The most powerful negotiators are actually people who bring so-called feminine skills to the table. And that's when my epiphany happened. And I have been on a total mission and feel so passionately about sort of spreading that word to help women step into their power to leverage, to get more of what they want out of life. Yeah. It's almost like
1: we get stuck in that old paradigm of thinking and it's like carried through us, through our, like our ancestors and things like that. And having to break that because it's definitely not how it was. When our ancestors were born, because at that time, you know, people, you know, was kind of like, be quiet, don't, you know, ruffle any of the feathers, you know, you don't have a voice. And then, you know, like the feminist movement happened, you know, we wanted to get out there, we wanted to voice, we wanted to have an opinion. And so things were changing. And sometimes you know, you're right. It's hard for us to ask for what we want, or even to ask for help with like, with the children that we have, like even to ask our husbands, like, cause we sometimes feel like, oh, maybe, you know, I feel bad. This is supposed to be my job, but it's okay to ask for help, you know?
0: And And it's it's interesting you say about passing off from generation. I often joke that, well, it's not a joke. It's like, we pass on this deep, deep conditioning about what it means to be a woman through sort of Mm -hmm. through the umbilical cord from generation to generation. And it's not that long ago. I mean, women didn't have the right to vote or hold property. Mm -hmm. And yet, interestingly, in terms of our human experience, uh, you know, we used to worship a goddess for, uh, you know, for a long time. And then all of a sudden the paradigm shift and went to a much more patriarchal system where we got conditioned to keep ourselves small and play nice and don't ruffle feathers.
1: (laughs) Well, and we also kind of, we were like property. And so when you look at the English language, when the misses yeah. and the miss, so MRS, you know, was like, you're taken, you know, MS is your, you know, a woman who is single yeah. and MISS is your like a girl. Yeah. So, you know, we, even when they were creating the English language, it was almost sexist in a way because mister is always a mister, but we Absolutely. have we had all these different titles for ourselves. And so we kind of fell under a category and, you know, even with that, or like Mr. And mistress, you know, like, yeah, know, Mr. Has like a positive connotation and Mistress is negative. So, you know, even with like the language, it almost was suppressive to us in such way. Yeah. And even Ms. is a new configuration. I mean, you're,
0: you're clearly younger than I am, but it used to be Miss or Mrs. And there was no in between. And then Ms. was even seen as sort of a liberation, but uh, you're, you're quite right. It's still, we're being categorized and judged differently than men.
1: Yeah. So it kind of holds on to us subconsciously. um, I feel like in having our power to use our voice. And so speaking about power and using our voice, you know, what is the art of feminine negotiation (laughs) and and why is it actually important for us to have this negotiation skills? Yeah. And it's funny because
0: I really agonized over whether to use the word feminine because I knew there would be pushback about it. And particularly as we're moving away from sort of gender attributions, which I think is a good thing. So I'm like, you know, am I dating it by, by putting that? And then I thought, no, you know, the problem is for too long, as I say, women either shied away or I know myself, like in my law practice, My clients called me the barracuda and they meant it as the (laughs) highest compliment, right? Yeah. And but there's a high cost that comes with that. So when I had my epiphany and started digging in, I recognized, uh, you know, for too long, we've framed uh, defined success based on a more masculine, you know, dare I say competitive model. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, we define success that way. We define conflict based on those models. So both men and women I think saw their feminine as a liability. It's like, I'm not going to be, and I was guilty of that. That's why I brought that barracuda to the table. I'm like, wow, I'm 20 something year old, fresh face, right out of law school. There's nothing but men in my hearing rooms. If I'm going to get taken seriously, I better get a little scrappier. Um, So that was one of the reasons I chose with intention to use the word feminine, because my hope is let's reframe, let's stop seeing these so-called feminine traits as a liability and see them as our secret weapon. And it's not gender-based because both men and women have masculine and feminine energy. We exactly. all do. Mm-hmm. But when we all start seeing the feminine as a liability, I believe it's one of the reasons the world has shifted so out of balance. So the idea of the art of feminine negotiation is if you actually look at the key skills that make the most effective negotiators, it comes down to six skills. And for your listeners out there, I create a mnemonic. It's called our fit, right? Just think Uh you are fit to be a great negotiator. And it's assertiveness, which most people see as masculine. But I think that's because they confuse assertive with aggressive. Mm -hmm. But the other five traits, almost everybody um, who's polled would consider them feminine traits. So it's rapport building, empathy flexibility, intuition, and trust. So A-R-E-F-I-T and rapport building, empathy, flexibility, intuition, trust. They're all traits that are considered soft skills or feminine skills. That yeah, we're they-
1: naturally better at than men, you know, not that we're trying to like, you know, break into the gender things, but empathy, yeah. you know, leaning on your intuition, yeah. things like that. Like women are naturally like a little bit better at it. I yeah. think, so. I think it's just because like you know, we're meant to be mothers and we got to kind of go off our intuition, like with children or, you know, the, our surroundings to protect, you know, the family, you know, things like that. So. I don't know. And
0: also, I think that's a great point, Christine. And I think because of what the point you mentioned earlier, in some ways, we had to develop those skills to survive. I mean, when you're as property you really better have decent rapport building skills and bring that empathy to the table and be able to build trust quickly Mm -hmm. and be able to be flexible just to be able to get what you need in life, frankly. So definitely, I think women are more likely. And I want to for your listeners remind them, I think a lot of women go, Oh, I'm not a good negotiator. But that's why I really expand to me all of life is a negotiation and women negotiate in hundreds of ways every day, whether it's with your intimate partner with your kids, with suppliers, And if you get more intentional about, hey, I negotiate all the time, I am the peacekeeper in the house, I actually bring these skills to the table, you're going to show up with more confidence, which will allow you to be more assertive, because assertiveness is just confidence, confidence comes from knowledge, and knowledge comes from prep. So it's
1: quite a a secret weapon when you tap into that knowing. Yeah, no, it's your mental game is like, is so much stronger than people realize. And it's, easier said than done to sometimes switch it. Cause like I said, we get stuck in like our old thinking and, you know, programming from when we were a child and things like that. But if we just shift our mindset to think like, you know what? I am a badass biatch. And I can negotiate anything I want. I negotiated my husband to marry me or whatever, not negotiate, but you know, (laughs) I got, I got the ring or whatever, you know, like we are better than we give ourselves credit for. So, I mean, it's a good reminder that like, you know, you, you can negotiate and you are negotiating throughout your life, whether it's negotiating with your toddler to eat some broccoli, like, like negotiating with the vendor, Uh, You know, things like that. So, and I
0: love that you raise mindset because I actually think, and one of the things I often say, your first and most important negotiation is negotiating with yourself, negotiating your mindset every day, all day, negotiate who you want to show up as, how confident you're going to feel. All of that is an internal negotiation as well. So I love that you raised
1: it. Oh yeah, but that's that's a good point. You are literally negotiating with yourself <laughs> all day, every day. Like <laughs> so, so yes, you are a great negotiator. You're negotiating all the time. So, what surprises <laughs> people most when they actually use your system?
0: Mm. Well, I think most people come to me, like whether women in my mastermind or even corporate people who but when I go to go into do corporate groups and speaking. They're bringing me in typically or coming to me because they want the business, right? They want the, uh, they come for the business to get those increased negotiation skills, to make more money, to get more recognition. But I think the thing that surprises them, Christina, is the beautiful impact it has on their personal relationships. And they love that and get, certainly, they get loads of value from up leveling their negotiation for business. But even in complicated relationships, like one of my mastermind clients was dealing, her mom was in a, a long-term care facility recently mm-hmm. and her sister suffered from bipolar disorder and there was all of this interpersonal tension at a time that I was already draining. And you know, working with her, I was able to give her some simple models to be able to use to up-level how she negotiated both with her mom and her sister and the healthcare providers. And to be able to come to a piece around that in a very different way. So I think that's the biggest surprise. People come for the money and uh and end up going away with improved relationships.
1: Yeah, no, it's because our personal relationships will like affect like our business and, and things like that. So I mean, I think it's a really great tool to even, like you mentioned, like negotiate with the people in your household and that you're dealing with because absolutely everyone has you know there's always like conflict, personality conflicts. And so just like kind of like understanding how to negotiate with the personality that you're dealing with can make wonders in communication and, you know, hopefully meeting in the middle or getting exactly what you want in in such way. So what are the, the biggest mistakes people make when they are negotiating? Uh,
0: well, I call it sort of the seven deadly sins, right? And I, I'll just briefly talk about a few of them. But ego is probably one of the biggest, Christina, right? I mean, we, we go through life, especially because we define success based on that more masculine model mm-hmm. um you know ego shows up and, and we've been conditioned to buy into the myth that you know the person who is the toughest is the one winning negotiation the person who is talking the loudest and the longest and the opposite is true it is the furthest from the truth so yeah we kind of play bumper car egos in life right always brushing mm-hmm. our bumping our egos up against each other and ego is actually the kiss of death in negotiation. So if you're finding that you're the one who's talking the most or you're needing to please, which is another form of wanting to be that like, wanting to be liked, which is ego. Um, you know, any of those signs that you're making the negotiation about you, it's like my viewpoint. I need to just hammer it home a little harder. I say stop dropping, you know, roll and yeah then come in from a place of curiosity, ask questions, and really try to understand what the other person wants. So ego, attachment, getting too attached to it. I have seen people walk away from amazing deals uh, because they were too attached to what they thought was the deal they needed, or alternatively get too attached and keep negotiating. long. And even in our relationships, how often have we stayed in relationships way longer than it makes sense because we get too attached to the deal reactivity mm-hmm. is another one showing up being too reactive as opposed to grounding yourself and deciding in advance how you want to show up north america we tend to jump straight to business take time build rapport don't get right to the money right yeah and not listening we are horrible at listening in north and america. i was just about
1: to say listening is like gonna be the main thing and that's what's hard because everyone likes to hear themselves talk or they're already thinking of the answer or what they want to say before the person's even finished, you know? And I, you know, I'm guilty of it too, you you know, and I'm an interviewer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And the last one would be integrity, right? Just don't ever compromise your integrity in a negotiation. And in both senses of the word, like the original Latin comes from being whole. And when we do things that are actually out of character for us, we're not being whole or in, in integrity with ourselves.
1: So Mm -hmm
0: show up with integrity and be an integrity yourself when you negotiate.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's all really great. And, you know, the thing that you said, the number one thing is the ego. And sometimes that is like the hardest thing to drop. What is like a suggestion that you can let someone or give advice on to help drop ego?
0: Yeah, I think one thing is preparing for the negotiations and particularly when, you know, in business, we're, I think it's both for on our personal and our professional. In our personal lives, you know, as you and I were chatting about before, it's sometimes like the people closest to us, we're not intentional about those negotiations because we don't even think of them as negotiating. So mm-hmm. we're much more likely to have ego show up in those personal relationships. So just getting intentional about, you know, the next time you're going to have a difficult conversation with your one of your kids or your intimate partner, sit down and go through sort of some simple steps that will allow you to stay grounded and decide, you know, what do I really need out of this? How do I have to show up to be able to achieve that? And what can I do to find out more of what what. they really want not what they're saying because the stated needs is like an iceberg right it's like the mm-hmm. titanic ready to happen in so many relationships mm-hmm. what people state their needs is like that top maybe 20% 80% are those unstated needs under the water so when you find yourself showing up making it about you immediately just get curious it's that simple that would be my biggest tip for that just simply start asking questions you know you seem a little upset by uh the position that I'm putting can you tell me a little about that I'm interested yeah. I'm curious I'm f- oh I'm fascinated to hear that you don't have to agree but people want to be seen they want to be heard they want to walk away feeling that they matter and the more you're able to do that you're more you're going to trigger reciprocity and actually get
1: better outcomes for yourself too no that's great advice for the
0: the ego driven
1: person i love that um so now let's go to that, talk about your book a little bit what were you know um what discouraged you the most in wanting to write this book and what prompted you to want to put this out there for us to read? Yeah. great
0: um yeah that's uh, i love that you ask about what discouraged me because one of the things i found shocking like i obviously once i had that epiphany that i realized wow I'm showing up as a barracuda and it's spilling over into all aspects of my life, right? It's affecting my professional relationships, my personal relationships, my sense of self. I started not liking who I was. You know, you show up at a hotel, it's like, they don't have your room, hide the children. And I'm like, oh my (laughs) gosh, what is happening to me? Uh, You know, and one day I was having a conversation with one of my kids, my middle boy. And I thought we're just having a normal conversation. All of a sudden he's like, oh, for God's sake, mom, does every discussion with you have to be an argument that you win? And I got to tell you, Christina, like it sucked the life out of me, and I, I was like, wow, I need to make a shift here. Yeah. And I recognized that pattern, but the thing that discouraged me the most was as I started really digging in and researching about this sort of unconscious gender bias and the conditioning and the fears and the blocks that women suffer from that hold us back from stepping into this natural power we have. Some of the studies, even though I knew it, were shocking to me, like. There's one study with young women who were writing their SAT exams, and they had half the control group check off the gender in advance of writing the test and the other didn't have to. So I mean, simply check off whether you're male or female. And they've done very Over and over again, those young women who were asked to identify their gender actually performed more poorly. I mean, think about that for a moment, that the unconscious gender biases run so deeply that we actually underperform when our femaleness is brought to our attention. So Hmm. I think we need to stop pointing the finger and saying, oh, it's men just keeping women down and really own and recognize that women have unconscious gender biases against other women as well. And even against ourselves, we perform differently. Um, And studies like they did a study where people would read a book and it's the same story, a rags to riches story, but in one version, the main character, the protagonist is called Howard and in the other Heidi. So you've got a male or female. And again, in overwhelming numbers, when people were asked uh, what they thought of the protagonist, both male and female participants didn't like Heidi, but they loved Howard based Mm -hmm. on the same story. So. That for me was the most discouraging is recognizing just how deeply seated, much more even than I had anticipated, this unconscious gender bias holds us back, even ourselves and these are the other women. So I wanted to write a book that was going to help women recognize that a rising tide lifts all boats, overcome these fears, overcome these unconscious gender biases. And I'm super excited. I just got my physical copy. Finally, I've been waiting and waiting. And it just came in right in time for International Women's Day. So that was uh, super exciting. But my my hope is that this book will change the way um, people and women in particular look at negotiation, how to do it, how they ought to show up, how they can get better outcomes. And lean into their feminine and not lean in like, you know, Cheryl Sandberg, who, you know, I love, she did great work, but we've been taught lean in, be get, elbow your way into that table. Yeah. And I'm like, no, actually, what if we leaned into those feminine strikes?
1: Imagine what a better world it would be. Exactly. Exactly. So where can people get their hands on this book? Uh, well, the book is now out. Originally, the
0: e-version just launched, but now you can get either an e-version or the physical book. Uh, it looks like this if you happen to be looking for it in a bookstore. So it's, it's my sort of brand colors. Um, but you can get it at uh, Barnes & Noble for sure anywhere in the US. I'm a big fan of supporting your local bookstores as well. If you've got an independent bookstore, check it out there. But as always, it's available
1: on Amazon as well. Oh, perfect. And then is there like a little extra something that someone gets when they purchase the book?
0: Yes, and definitely for your listeners. And frankly, even if they don't purchase the book, I'll share the secret link with your listeners here so that they can grab it. But if you go to Art of Feminine Negotiation book, dot com. There's, it's not even just a one sheet. I put together sort of a list of supplementary resources, right? So you can actually work through some of the concepts in the book as a workbook and challenge yourself. Like, you know, what ways am I making myself small, keeping myself small and going through some exercises to help empower you, you know, a, about how to keep a brag list to give yourself more confidence. Mm-hmm. Some of the concepts and models in the book, there are little little blurbs about them as well and exercises. So great resource for somebody who wants to to dip their toe in and maybe check out about how they
1: can up level to
0: negotiate a better life for themselves.
1: Well, Cindy, this was such a fruitful conversation. I'm so excited to have you on this episode of book smarts authors on show. And thank you everyone for tuning in and don't be shy. All the links are down below. Grab this book. If you want to touch up on your negotiation skills, tap into your femininity and, you know, own the conversation. All right. Well, thank you so much, Cindy. And thank you everyone for listening. And I hope to see you all in the next one.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Book Smart's Authors on Show here on the In the Limelight Podcast Network, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to tell your friends.